Welcome back to B-Side Stories. You're with Martin Andrews and Henry Peach. Uh, great interview there, Henry. What a, what a, what a fantastic uh, thing that they're setting up there. I know. I want to be able to run a business and then say, hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to give it away for free now. That, that's a <laughs> yeah. pretty, it's a yeah, pretty generous yeah, yeah. and cool thing to do. Very, very cool. Very cool. Uh, moving forward now, we, have, we are joined by Aaron Packard of 350.org. Kia ora. Kia ora. Um, so, Aaron, first of all, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about what 350.org is? Sure. Uh, so, 350.org is an a organization that is focused on tackling the climate crisis. So, um, we work across about 160 countries around the world um, and run campaigns targeting predominantly the fossil fuel industry. Uh, as the biggest cause toward global warming um, or climate change. Uh, And so my role is the Climate Impacts Coordinator. That means I work with our teams uh, in different parts of the world, to, you know, from Africa to Europe to uh, Latin America, to respond to the impacts of climate change and communicate about them uh, as they happen uh, increasingly. How does one end up working for 350.org? What led you there? Well, in 2008, I was studying at Victoria University and involved with the environmental group there and <clears throat> we'd organised toward the global days of action that would coincide with the United Nations climate talks every year. And uh, a friend had just pointed me to the 350.org website, which had just started a month or two before, mm-hmm. and... Was it, would this have been around the same time as Inconvenient Truth? Yeah, it was around that time. I think in, Inconvenient Truth came out 2006 or seven. Right, because I imagine that would have created a massive increase of interest in yeah, it did a lot knowledge to, of what's happening. Absolutely. Mm. did a lot to popularise the issue mm. of climate change mm. and people's concern about it. Um, and so I got involved, um, you know, at the time the 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 guy who was coordinating the Pacific Islands, Australia and New Zealand and the polar regions um, was based in San Francisco. So I was just like, dude, you know, I'm a bit closer to the Pacific and this region. <laughs> Let me know if you want a hand. And so he was like, mm, that's a good point. Uh, and <clears throat> so he was like, okay, well, actually, we need to send someone to the Pacific Youth Festival in Fiji in 2009. Um, So I went there and then to a meeting in the Cook Islands and just started to work more and more in the Pacific, um, connecting with brilliant young people, which was different to the story I heard about the Pacific growing up as a Pākehā New Zealander um, and also reading global headlines about the Pacific Islands in terms of climate change. It's pretty doom and gloom and they're all drowning. Yet I was seeing all these amazing young people who, you know, for a lot of them, were learning about the issue of climate change for the first time. Uh, but particularly in the Atoll Islands, you know, it affects their entire future. Their <clears throat> and what I learned more and more was how the sense of identity is so closely tied with the land and that, you know, can't imagine being divorced from the land Yet that's what, you know, I I turned up to lectures at university and that's what I was hearing is, you know, 
if we don't do anything now, uh, sea level rise and these other impacts will create a future where you know these atoll islands will be unlivable. Um, so out of that, we wanted to draw on the strengths of Pacific Island culture to actually do something about the issue, and that's what led to the Pacific Climate Warriors. Um, and we did things like build traditional canoes in the different islands, ship them to Australia, and blockaded the world's largest coal port in Newcastle um, with these traditional canoes and about 500 Australians in kayaks. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of some of the work we've done mm-hmm. um, in the past six years or so. And tell me, in the um, in the, that time that you've been working at 350, have you actually witnessed physical change in the environment? Yeah, so, I mean, 2016, this year, was declared the, the warmest year on record uh, before it even ended. You know, it was declared that... Um, back the start of November by the World Meteorological Organization. Uh, and it's averaged 1.2 degrees above pre-industrial temperatures, which might not sound like a lot, but in terms of impacts, uh, what we've seen in the last 35 years um, is things like in the oceans, the oceans absorb most of the the energy coming in from the sun and being trapped by the atmosphere, about 90% of that energy is actually getting stored in the oceans. And that's creating oceans so warm now that it's um, we're witnessing these coral reef bleaching, mass coral reef bleaching events. Uh, before the 1980s, these did not happen. You know, this is what I discovered. I grew up thinking that, oh, you know, coral bleaching happens regularly. Um, but... There's no records of mass coral reef, coral reef bleaching for the last ten thousand years and possibly more. Mm. It's only been in that in since the 1980s that there's been serious episodes. And so in the last um, this year and last year, we've had the biggest die-off of coral reefs ever recorded around the world. You know, parts. Um, uh, there's a 700-kilometre stretch of the Great Barrier Reef up in the north where 67% of the reef has just been wiped out. What what sort of uh, impact will that have as a whole on the ocean and then from yeah. the ocean to us as a species? Well, you know, there's thousands of people in Australia who depend on uh, the reef for tourism and their livelihoods uh it's you know many millions of dollars of contribution to the australian economy mm-hmm. um so it's that issue what we're at the point now where you know through the united nations process governments have agreed to limit warming to 1.5 bet- between 1.5 degrees and 2 degrees of warming mm-hmm. um 1.5 degrees probably gives coral reefs an outside chance of survival. Uh, but beyond that, and this is, you know, the path we're tracking is so far beyond 1.5 degrees at current um, tracking that we're headed to a world where coral reefs just won't be able to survive. Sure. Um, so, sorry, that's a bit depressing. Isn't it? <laughs> well, it's a reality, isn't it? It's something that yeah. we need to be talking about. 
we need open yeah. discourse and, I mean, and discussion about this. So. And that's just, you know, the oceans, there's yeah, a whole lot of other sure. issues across oceans, etc. So it's such a large problem. And this, this, I think this is one of the um, issues that we, uh, as a community, struggle with. Well, I look at my life and I say, well, global warming is just, you know, it's a government's problem. The government needs to change. Well, how do we bring the problem closer to home uh, with our own personal lives? What can we as individuals do? And what, and also, what do you see as being uh, the major cause of the change itself? And is there anything that we can do as individuals to yeah. address a larger issue? Well, the the most important thing I think is, you know, we need to keep fossil fuels in the ground to have a chance of staying to one point five degrees or two degrees of warming. No new fossil fuel projects can go ahead. Uh, around the world, we've seen an increase in resistance to fossil fuel projects. We've seen it here in Aotearoa against um, offshore oil drilling, um, against fracking. We need more of that. Mm. Uh, we need to stop these projects. Uh, there's been, you know, just uh, yesterday the, the blocking of the Dakota Access Pipeline, which is a, a great win. Hopefully it lasts. Um, and so this struggle and, you know, New Zealand doesn't have massive coal mines. There's a couple. Um, and we should be working to shut those down but we also need to be in solidarity with movements elsewhere and this is um, one of the great challenges a lot of uh, a lot of people fighting against big projects do so in countries and conditions that put them at great risk sure um, you know last year I saw the greatest number of murders of environmental defenders ever recorded and it's growing and so um, we actually released it. It's just madness, eh? Hey? Yeah. Don't you think these are the people that are trying to make a sustainable future for humanity and they're being murdered? True. It's exactly. Just, just so well, one of the um, projects that we, we've just undertaken and we launched in Morocco, which is where I've just came, come back from the United Nations talks there, is uh, working with Amnesty International because they see this as an increasing threat. Um, is calling on states to recognise and offer better legal protection for environmental defenders. Uh, and there's, there's a massive role for global solidarity around that. You know, in this day and age, we're so well connected through mm -hmm. social media um, and the internet that people in other parts of the world should be supporting people in Brazil and the Philippines and Bangladesh who are taking the greatest risks mm -hmm. for us all. So if people wanted to do that, um, they can sign up to 350.org, would that be right? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that's a piece of work we're just yep. growing more into and we'll be um, communicating more about through our emails and mm -hmm. so on. Okay, so that's, that's one thing that people can yeah. do. And it's 350.org.nz here in Aotearoa. Okay, great. Um, now, you've just come back from Marrakesh and was this a climate change summit concerning that dates back to the Paris uh, Climate Agreement. Would that be right? Uh, yeah, so this was, um, they called it COP22, which is the 22nd meeting of the UN um, climate talks. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a big deal back in 
this time last year in Paris, you know, countries agreed to fairly robust commitments, um, and then it was ratified very quickly. Um, and so the Marrakesh talks were seen as the implementation talks. Um, well, that was the idea. You know, it got a little bit blindsided by the Trump um, election. Yeah, which came in. Well, you were there when Trump was elected, right? And he's a he's yeah. called climate change a hoax. So, what what was the reaction of the people there? And and are we all are we all screwed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Can you answer that, Aaron? <laughs> it was it was mixed. So, um, I wasn't actually in the talks on the day after he was elected, but from what colleagues tell me, everyone was it was pretty glum at the time. Uh, but then, you know, in the days after, I think people picked up. And that's one of the great things about being at one of these UN climate talks. There's um, you know, 15,000 people from every country imaginable. You know, on the bus home from the venue, I sat next to the, the sole um, government delegate from Palestine. Um, <laughs> that was fascinating. But um, And his challenges are real. Uh, so it yeah it reminds you that the world doesn't just evolve revolve around the U- US, and I think there's a real commitment to addressing climate change, uh, and that they countries will find other ways to pressure the US if they dare to draw out of the, draw out of the Paris Agreement, um, which would probably mean they'd have to draw out of um, withdraw from the whole United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, which would be pretty crazy. Because people often say that the US is the the world's biggest emitter, or it's on par with China. Um, So, I mean, if they're not doing something, surely all hope is lost. Are you not not of that Um, that view? Well, I mean, there's definitely serious implications. Um, But, you know, I think, you know, China has superseded... uh, the U.S. significantly in terms of emissions, but also in terms of its investment in renewables. One of the most hopeful outcomes from the the meeting, I think, was that um, 48 of the world's most poor and vulnerable countries, so like Bangladesh, Pakistan, um, the Marshall Islands, and so on, um, came out together and said that they're going to pursue 100% renewable energy, um, which is a big stance. And, you know, that really turns on its head the debate around what the coal industry says is, you know, coal is needed for the poor people, for the poor people to bring them out of poverty. Um, And that's just not true anymore. And, um, you know, coal is the biggest contributor to climate change. Uh, And, you know, Donald Trump wants to re kickstart the coal economy in the US, but he's going to have a hard time. There's, you know, systemic decline of coal. It's not just cyclical. Sure. Um, so, so it'll I, be interesting times. That's for sure. Br- bringing it back home, Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that are concerned about climate change, but they just see the issue as being so big. Um, do you, or the website, have a list of things that our listeners can take away from this talk um, that they can literally put into action today? Yeah, well, I think it comes back to being active in this fight 
you know, this is the biggest challenge we face. It crosses country borders. Mm. We've got to think a bit like that, you know. We've got to be in solidarity with other countries. We've got to um, act together. There's individual actions which we should all be taking, you know, um, be mindful of our diet, you know, that agriculture is a big contributor here in Aotearoa. Um, so there's personal steps like that we can take to minimise our emissions, cycling, all these things. Um, but at the end of the day, this is about systemic level change, and that requires pressure um, on politicians, pressure on the fossil fuel industry, um, and these big players to shift the system. And, and that's what 350 really focuses on. So if there are things like, you know, you mentioned that in Australia you had the blockade of the, with the traditional canoes. If there are things like that going on in New Zealand, uh, will, will 350 maybe post it on their website? Yeah, um, yeah. So and ask for help? Definitely. Um, through Facebook, through our email blasts. Um, you know, we're running the divestment campaign at the moment, so it's getting... Uh, universities, councils, churches, banks, any institution that has a lot of money uh, and using just everyday citizens to uh, pressure these institutions or ask these institutions to take their investments out of the fossil fuel industry. And over the last um, few years, over $3.4 trillion has been removed from the fossil fuel industry globally and New Zealand has played a strong role in that you know Victoria universities divested um, Dunedin City Council um, the Anglican Church uh, all these groups and so this is one way that we can have quite a strong influence uh, with our money because it crosses boundaries you know like um, and just like armaments nuclear pornography tobacco these things, uh, fossil fuels, should be excluded from investments. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for coming in, Aaron, and, and sharing your story. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Ah, oh, um, no. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty excited about getting to hear this next uh, <laughs> this next piece. <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity, and and, and I hope yeah pe- people go to. 350.org.nz and join us in action over the coming months and years. Great. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you. Um, stick around and, and we'll get the boys to, to play a song here. Yeah. Henry, um, before we get into our final final act for the afternoon, is there any, any last thoughts on the, um, for the week? Or are you, we're doing a, uh, a best of next week. Oh yeah. Are you going to be joining us for that? I guess I, I will be. Yeah. 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 I've, I've only done three shows, but <laughs> hopefully something makes it in. <laughs> um, um, so uh, la- next week may be our last B-side stories for 2016, and you're going to have all of the hosts and for that show, and we're going to each choose um, the highlights of, and some of our favourite interviews, and we'll be playing bits and pieces from uh, 2016, a year in review, I guess you could say, with B-side stories. What a crazy year it's been. Really crazy. crazy. Kind of crazy into the year. Um, mm, yeah, I know. It kind of yeah, yeah. I wonder what 2017 will bring. Yeah, yeah. Earthquakes, Trump, new governments. <laughs>